Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And today we are going to be discussing consent and raising kids to be able to understand it. And we have a special guest with us today. And our special guest is Lauren Carlson. Hi. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for um, being with us today. Yes, Um, thank you for having me. We are super, super excited. Uh, This topic is one that uh, Sean and Sierra and I absolutely love, and we've talked about it on our podcast before. Um, And so to have uh, a guest like you on, we're really excited. Great. I'm excited too. Awesome. So um, before we really get started, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and you can share as much or as little as you'd like. Okay. Um, Like you said, my name is Lauren. I am a stay-at-home mom of three, and I have um, a health science background, but um, I've been staying home for nine years, and so mostly I've been a mother, but um, I am also the victim of assault, so that has been um, a huge part of, of how I parent and how I mother my children and how I hope to pass lessons on to them. It really has been um, a huge part of my life. So those those are all things that I um, would use to describe myself. All right. Um, and so, you know, we found you um, through, you know, this, this matching, right? Um, right? And obviously, the topic that you talk about um, and that you write about, which we'd love to hear more about, um, is teaching kids consent, right? Um, You have a couple, can you recap, a couple of books, right? Right, so I started out by writing workbooks that are intended to be used in schools. They're called Consent for Kids, and they're broken down into three different age groups. So K to two, um, three to five, and then middle school level, level Um, six to eight. So it's a workbook that really just guides a conversation between a teacher and students um, that I hope will just open people's minds, children's minds, and open the conversation to understand here's something that I had never thought to ask about. And so that's what I um, started by doing. So I published those um, six workbooks. There's three books and then three teacher manuals. And, um, but I'm an artist and I felt like you could teach it even before it was in kindergarten. So I put together a children's book called My Body Is My Own, which I think is the perfect way to bring the conversation into your house before it ever has to be awkward. (laughs) Because you're just teaching them everything and they're listening to whatever you have to say. So for me, that was really important. So um, then after that, I had parents reach out to me about the workbooks, and they said, I bought this for my child, but I don't know the answers to the questions. And I 
I said, yeah, you know, they're, they're, uh, they come with a teacher's manual and I understand why they don't want to buy that. They're not a teacher. Sure. So, um, so I really sat down to type and put all of my workbooks into what I call a parent's guide to teaching consent through all of those age groups. So what my, my parents book is called raising kids to understand consent. And it's really a parent's guide from uh, that follows all of my books. So really, if you buy that and read it, you don't need all the rest of them. This is just how parents can figure out how to talk to a child of any age under the age of 16 about consent. Could you talk a little bit more about maybe why you chose to um, break your book down into those different age groups and kind of by the different sections that you did? Sure. um, So under the age of four, I have a group um, four and under. And I think that really those kids are just learning privacy. It's really just a privacy issue. Um, And and I think that parents don't understand that every time you say, I'm going to use the bathroom by myself, or, you know, you need to close the door while I'm changing, or even me giving them privacy when they go to the bathroom. Those are all conversations about consent. And and parents, a lot of times, don't understand that you can have consent conversations without talking about sex at all. And that's where I think a lot of parents get caught up. They don't know how the conversation happens unless you're talking about agreeing to sexual activity. So for that, it is ways to get your children who are three to understand, hey, she might not like that, or hey, I don't like that. And um, so that was really important to me because I think that if you start early, your kids will know they are allowed to say no, and also other people can say no. After that, K to two grades or ages, I think that it's really you're testing boundaries. You know, you're going to school for the first time. It's the first time that maybe your child's not around you all day and they have to find another adult to talk to or they have to test, figure it out in between them at recess. So um, for me, I actually have a kid in all of those grades, except for the older one. So for me, I was writing the first one I'm writing for my little kid. This is how I talk to her. The next one I'm writing for my middle. And this is how, this is what I know she deals with all the time. Then three to five, grades three to five, you're going through puberty. You're lear- I mean, you're beginning to go through the beginnings uh, of puberty and you're understanding the gender roles are really coming into effect. What you think you have to do, what you think you have to like, what, how you think you have to act because you're a boy or a girl. And I really, those things are very important to me. I want my child to know, boy or girl, they can do whatever they want. And they can say no. They don't have to say yes. I, f- I feel like girls especially are people pleasers because we tell them that they have to be. And so for that age group, it really was um, a think of what you like and you're allowed to say no. Then the middle school level, it really was more, we're talking about um, sexual or um, romantic types of relationships where you are now, you cannot go up and hug, uh, hug someone without asking or kissing someone as a surprise like we all see in movies. So I think that each one of those age groups is very, very different. And yet I've never spoken about sex in my books at all. That's something that's interesting about the conversations that we have. Um, And, you know, when we 
we all read your book and, um, you know, we got together and talked about it. And we said, we love that this is by age category because it really outlines the fact that the concepts that we teach, right. They, um, they change from, from age to age to age. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions with parents about having the birds and the bees talk. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we advocate for talking to your kids early and often about bodies and about body safety. Um, and so this just reinforced that, you know, from a different perspective. And one of the things that I really liked about breaking it down by age category was that, um, uh, specifically looking at gender roles, um, because we in our field know that gender roles play such a large part in domestic and sexual violence. Um, but that's not something that parents are primed to talk or think about a lot. Um, so that was one thing that I really appreciated about the book. Good. Thank you. Yeah. And I was just going to reiterate that I think that it's awesome that you could make it through um, writing this book again, like you just mentioned, um, without even bringing up the topic of sex once. Um, And I think that really goes to, it really goes to show how deep um, these conversations go. And I know that for the three of us, when we've done conversations like this before, um, we always kind of want to make it known to parents that kids don't think of these things as sexual. Kids don't automatically assume that when you say the word consent or boundaries that you're talking about sex. So it's kind of like you have to get that through your own mind and, um, you know, kind of take it down a couple of notches to make it a little bit easier to understand because your kids aren't even thinking that way to begin with. It's always something that I've noticed too with like a lot of, whenever I get calls or something from parents about the discussions that I'm having with their kids in their schools, it's usually from like the middle school teacher, uh, middle school parents who are like, isn't it a little bit early to be talking to my kids about sex and stuff? It's like, not really. It's like, I remember being in middle school and I remember having some of those conversations with my friends. So if they're not learning it from me or like from your book or having those discussions with their parents, they're learning it from their friends and their friends probably have a lot of misinformation. So it's important to be having these discussions with kids. Right. I remember, I mean, I was in elementary school many, many years ago now, (laughs) and I remember conversations that were happening in our very sweet private school (laughs) and and they were not accurate. (laughs) So, um, so it really is where they, where kids learn it. And some kids have older, have older siblings and some kids have parents who talk a, a lot more openly than other people. And so for people who had never heard of anything, I remember thinking, what is what are you saying? So <laughs> while I agree that I have never had the sex talk, my, my children are, are younger than that, but they definitely know about boundaries and about kissing people is, is not okay um, unless, unless you ask. And so for me, I think that it's so short-sighted or, or naive on the parent's part to think that you can't talk about this until you're telling them about sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all almost seems like a way to evade the uncomfortable as adults. Right. Um, and, you know, we've mentioned this, of course, that, uh, you know, teaching kids about boundaries and consent is not always sexual. Um, and we have to realize that as adults, you know, when we become parents, it is our responsibility to think, okay, what barriers are there in my head that are, are causing me to not 
to not have some of these conversations, right? So, you know, as an adult, um, consent obviously has a sexualized meaning to us. Um, but when we're, when we're looking at our sweet, innocent children, right? Like that's not, that's not a thing. So um, I think that there's a barrier for parents uh, to even get to the point where they think, should I be talking about consent? And then past that, there's barriers of, um, you know, how do I do this? What if I encounter these roadblocks? Um, is it going to be difficult, right? Is it going to be awkward? Um, and so what do you say to those parents who are thinking like, it's just, it's just too awkward. I understand that this is a valuable conversation, but it's just too weird. So that, that's a difficult question for me. Uh, I mean, a difficult answer, I guess, because I know what it looks like when someone doesn't know what boundaries are. And I know how easily it is that someone can hurt someone else. And the consequences of that are so terrible and so heartbreaking for people that I just think it's very arrogant to think that you just don't wanna be uncomfortable. To think of, of what someone might do to your child if they don't know how to say no, or they don't know that they're allowed to say no, or how awful it would be if your child was the one who didn't know how to take no for an answer and what that would do to you. And I just think it's a very, um, I don't know any other word by, besides arrogant to think that that doesn't apply to you. And it was a point that you made in your book too, that I really liked was you mentioned it from those both perspectives of while yes it's important that we teach kids understanding how to create their own boundaries talk about their boundaries with others and let them know it's also important to educate and teach them to accept other people's boundaries so they're not going to be the ones who are going out and potentially doing harm to others and right. i feel like it's a part of the discussion that is often left out when we have these when we do these types of things because we are always framing it from this risk reduction perspective of trying to make it so that girls aren't the ones who are going out and putting themselves in situations to get them hurt. When in actuality, we should just be teaching people to accept other people's boundaries. So they're not going to even go out and potentially harm someone. Right. So it is, has always been important to me. Um, I had an incident happen a couple of years ago with my children where one of my uh, toddler didn't want to hug another, one of my, one of my best friend's child. And um, it was sad because he was sad. But I also, I, I didn't take it that hard because I know that that's an important lesson. And yes, he's very young and he was, all he wanted was a, a hug, you know, after at the end of vacation. But for me, I'd rather watch a five-year-old cry than not take that opportunity to understand that how important that moment is for him or for my daughter to understand she doesn't have to. I'm not, just because someone wants it, you don't have to. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, I have experienced in talking about this topic, um, especially with uh, maybe like a generation above me, like my parents' generation, um, one of the, one of the, um, one of the responses I got in talking about, you know, this is how I plan to raise our, you know, my future children, um, 
this, this individual said, well, but I don't want them to feel like, I don't want them to grow up without any love. And I said, well, that's not forcing affection on a child is not, does not equate showing love. Right. Um, but there's still some people that have this barrier of like, well, that's how I show affection towards my grandchildren. That's how I show affection to my nieces and nephews um, is I pick them up and I hug them and I squeeze them. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is children will want affection at some point. Right. That's what they do. <laughs> they'll they'll right. climb into bed with you <laughs> unexpectedly and ask for cuddles. Um, but the point is that they they ask for it. And when they don't want it, they have the right to say no. Um, and so that's, that's one of the unique things. And that sticks with me to this day, because I realized that for some people, hearing this conversation means that this child will never have physical affection or physical love. And that's just not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the opportunity, the right, and the choice to say yes or no to that affection. Yeah, and I think a way that it helps to frame those kind of discussions too when people are when have those worries is if they have a kind of understanding of like the love languages like we've done an episode about love languages and everything and it's like maybe your kids just love language isn't going to be physical touch maybe it's on the list but maybe it's lower maybe they like to have just quality time or just like doing something else like i would have no problem seeing one of my friends like we haven't seen it forever if we, they didn't want to hug me like that's fine let's go play smash bros for an hour and like that's it that's the quality time like we're good and even as kids like playing those video games or doing stuff like that was really how my friends and i were kind of showing each other like yeah i'm here like i care about you let's do something together instead of having that physical touch and if as a kid that's something that my friends and i can understand i feel like it's easier to have that conversation or frame it that way instead of just being like, oh no, go hug them. Like that's what we're supposed to do. It's like, you're teaching them that their boundaries don't matter at that point. Right. I was, I was that's exactly what I was going to say. For me, speaking to my husband about love languages, we have to understand this is what he wants and this is what I want. And it's a give and take. And we do not express love in the same way. That does not mean that we don't recognize how he's expressing it to me and also how I know he needs it when he does need it. And I've, I've spoken to this with all of my children because I recognize that some of them are very into small gifts and some of them are very into, we are going to just sit and you are going to rub my hair for an hour. And I love that about them because I love being able to very easily recognize what each one wants. Um, for those parents who are, or grandparents who don't understand, I actually have difficulty with that with some people in my children. And I say to them that, that that is what they are wanting to be loved. And so talking to my children about, you know, grandma really likes hugs. Now I'm not telling you, you have to hug her, but she, she likes hugs more than if you were to draw her a picture. So if children realize that, and, and if and maybe the adults won't be able to pick up on that, maybe that's not a lesson that you can teach an older generation because they have been doing it for a very long time. But I can say to my child, you know, this is what grandma loves. And that if you ever want to show grandma love, here are, the, here are the ways she loves it. We'll draw her pictures. We will go and see her. We will send her videos of you dancing, whatever. But recognizing that it is not about 
um, what, what grandma is asking for is really about her needs. But if you can explain that to someone, and maybe not to grandma, but to children, I think it is then important and they can make their own decision. I think another thing that kind of goes into that too is um, rather than just saying, hey, go give grandma a hug, you provide more options for them. Like, would you like to go give grandma a hug or would you like to give her a high five or something like that? Because it just then gives the control back to the child where they can make that decision. And of right. course, they can still say neither and go run off and play with their toys. And that's totally fine. Which but, they will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but just having those options just kind of, again, helps with them knowing that they have some control over what they're doing, who they're doing it with, and things like that. Right. Yeah. And as children get older, really, I mean, even my 10-year-old, he knows this is okay. This is what grandma needs or, or whatever. This is what someone wants. And, and I don't want him to think he has to do it, but it is a part of like my, like with my husband, I'm not super into hugs, but I know he is. And so if he's having a rough day, I'm going to do that. And that's not me giving in or crossing a boundary. I'm just deciding this is something I am not super into. And I am going to give that to you. Cause I know that you need that. Right. And in talking about this particular aspect of teaching consent, um, it really highlights the fact that, again, this isn't just about sex, right? So if we're having these conversations with kids, if we're having them from the day that they can start understanding it, then we're setting them up for healthy relationships because there are, I'm sure, therapists on therapists on therapists out there that will agree with the statement that people need to know how to love and be loved, right? There are, I mean, becoming an adult, one of the challenges is learning how to be in a relationship or to have relationships with others, right? And so um, by starting this young, we're really prepping them to have healthy relationships where maybe we won't have to, (laughs) those therapists out there won't have to work so hard with their adult clients because they were prepped as children to know about love languages or to know about boundaries and consent and to recognize, you know, I don't have to hug grandma, um, but it looks like grandma really needs it. And I love her. So this is an act of love. I am going to hug her out of my love for her. Um, So I just, I think that, again, it really just highlights the fact that we're not just we're not just saying this because we're trying to cover up some way to talk about sex, right? Like we right. actually believe this sets you up for healthy relationships and a healthy, you know, life. Right. I think that if you taught everyone who's in a twenty-year-old um, how to ask for what they need in a relationship, man, how much more functional would all those twenty-year-old relationships be if you could say? you know, I really want whatever it is. This is the thing I would love to talk to you every day after you come home from work or whatever it is. People understanding that their feelings are important and feeling like they are important enough to be able to ask for them. To me, I can't imagine how much happier everyone else would be in every type of friendship and relationship if we could teach that to our children. Absolutely. I, uh, I just put out a survey recently asking some of, um, the, some of our community members just to give some advice looking back or maybe advice they wish they would have gotten um, back when they had started um, getting into relationships and having romantic interests and things like that. And a lot of them were talking about, 
wishing that somebody would have told them what boundaries are or wishing that somebody would have taught them what consent is, how to say no, um, you know, X, Y, and Z, everything that goes into it. And I think it just kind of draws the conclusion that we really need to be showing adults and kids alike that love is a skill that's learned and needs to be worked on. It's not just something that we know how to do magically. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the point again, too, of maybe how to talk to the older generations about how to respect our children's boundaries is just saying, well, we're trying to teach them how to love right now. Um, and, you know, just opening up that conversation rather than just saying like, oh, they'll, they'll get it eventually. They'll just come hug you when they're ready, which they will. But, you know, it's just that conversation piece of um, you've got to teach them those boundaries and give them those skills that they're going to need throughout their entire lives. Right. So one thing I don't know if I've ever even said out loud, but um, with this children's book, My my Body is My Own, um, I knew that I was writing it to children and adults. It's a children's book, mm -hmm. but the parents are reading it. And the parents are reading, I'm allowed to say no, and hugging someone when they don't want to be hugged. It is reteaching the parent as well how to respect their child and how to help them learn that they need to be respected. So for me, it is also an opportunity to remind parents, you, you don't have to do those things. And here's how to help your child while doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I think that there, there are really you know, so many ways to, to go about, uh, you know, teaching consent or, you know, body safety, um, you know, whatever we might call it. Um, but what are some of the absolute basics for um, maybe parents that are listening out there that have, you know, just started talking about this or just started thinking about introducing this topic into their parenting? What are some of the, the just most basic things that you would tell them to teach their children? So um, that would really depend on how old your children are, because like I said, it is really a different conversation um, all the time. But if you have young children, I recommend trying to enforce boundaries, like I said, when you're using the restroom or, or when you're um, changing clothes, and, and understanding that, that that change where you suddenly need privacy from your son or, or daughter those things are very evident when they happen and you have no idea the day before, but as soon as it happens, you have to address that. And it's not just trying to get dressed real quick before she comes in. It's a conversation. So understanding and talking about that, I, I just think it's the, the first opportunity that you ever have to say, no, no privacy. And I like that. For older kids, um, I'm talking eight or, or up to 10, I just think that respecting them is the best lesson, even if you never have the conversation. If I stop tickling them as soon as they say stop, because they know I will, then that's how they think people should act. And they're gonna do that on the playground. Um, with my eight-year-old, there is nothing she's doing in her room that she needs privacy for really, <laughs> but I still knock because that's what people do. And I want her to know I respect her. I have asked her, we don't, we don't lock doors in the, in the house, but I'm still going to knock every single time because 
I want her to know that when she's 13 or 15 or 22, that that's how a respectable person would act. So those types of things are just acting respectful towards your child. Uh, I, I tell this story a lot. I'll we have three children and then none of them are ever hungry at the same time. So <laughs> there's always going to be leftover chicken nuggets. And if there's not now I've, I've already accounted for there's an extra chicken nugget in there for me. And when there's not, I'm very upset. <laughs> I was not counting on all three of them being hungry. So one time I reached over to my three-year-old's plate and I took a chicken nugget and she was not going to eat it, but it was on her plate. And she said, hey, that's my rules. She doesn't know how to say that's my boundary, but she said, hey, that's my rules. And I said, you know, and a parent could have said, hey, I bought it or hey, I, uh, you weren't going to eat it anyway. Or they could have just left it alone. But I, I said, you're, you're completely right. I reached over on your plate and I took a chicken nugget and she says, that's okay. You can have it. So I ate it anyway, but, <laughs> but understanding that every time I do that, she's three, she, it's chicken nuggets. She's not going to, she really wasn't going to eat it anyway, but I love that you can put all, we've had a thousand conversations with our children about consent and it's never been about sex and it's never been a sit down here. We're going to have a really long conversation respecting your children is the best way for them to learn that they should be respected. And almost take that just a little bit of a step further. Is like, if we're expecting to raise our kids to be then respectful of others, but we're not showing respect to our kids, how are we even expecting them to be respectful of other people's boundaries? Right. How would they have any idea that you're supposed to stop tickling someone when they say stop or, you know, as they're 18, stop having sex with someone when they're having, when she says stop or he says stop. Why would they know to do that if playful tickling, it's okay, you know, we've all started the game together. How do parents not understand that those two lessons are exactly the same? They're just to a different degree of maturity level. I think, I think that raising kids to understand consent definitely takes a level of dedication. Um, and I think that books like yours that outline it very simply, very um, realistically, those are, the, those are the ways that parents are going to best do this, you know, because not all of us were raised with this same concept, okay? So we know that that's a boundary. We've talked about that already um, in our own heads. That's, that's a barrier for us to be right. able to deconstruct how we were raised as kids in raising our own kids. Um, but, and we know life gets busy, right? In that moment, you know, you reached over on her plate, maybe you were trying to get to soccer practice or right. you were heading out the door or it was in the car and you had to, you know, turn, turn to a different topic real fast. Right. Um, but I think that, that raising kids, um, also entails a, a level of humility. Um, and what you did in that moment, you, you said, I'm sorry, you're right. You know, and it's never too late to say, I'm sorry to your child. Um, if you have disrespected their boundaries and you realize it a day later, you can say, Hey, you know, remember when I took that chicken nugget off your plate yesterday, you looked a little upset about that. And I, I realized that I might've messed up. And so I'm sorry that, that that was something that I did. Um, but I just wanted to let you know that I thought about it. Right. I think yeah. We're, we're not gonna, just like your kids, 
they're not going to get it right every time. And that's okay. Just like in relationships, we forget anniversaries. We forget, we do things that she doesn't like, whatever. We all do those things. We cross lines if we don't mean to. And a lot of times it's because people don't know how to effectively share their boundaries with others. So those are all lines we have to, you know, it's a tightrope we're walking. But yeah, all you have to do is come back and recognize that that wasn't okay and I'm sorry. And now you've you've turned it into a, an important lesson for them. Yeah, and I think too, if our kids are hearing us say like, oh, hey, I made a mistake. I crossed your boundary and I recognize that you weren't okay with that and you're admitting to it and your kids are learning then, okay, so if I do inevitably mess up, because like you said, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to mess up because we're human. But it's, when we can recognize, oh, hey, I think I crossed that person's boundary. I didn't intend to. Maybe I misread a situation or something like that. But admitting to it and being willing to have that really awkward then conversation of, hey, I messed up. Right. I think it's it's very important, especially as you do get older and with um, victims of assault or child abuse, um, not ever having that sorry, um, not ever having the... A chance for someone to say, I wronged you. To me, those are things that haunt people, in my opinion, more than the event. It's the total lack of, ah, whatever, it didn't matter. And so I think you're teaching your children humility, but also you're teaching them that that everything that, that they want to ask for, they can ask for that, you know, and they're not always going to get it. But, but like you said, I think that it puts them in a better position for a healthy relationship because they're willing to ask for it and they're not willing to settle for someone who doesn't recognize those boundaries. Yeah. Now, you know, as we're talking about this, I, I, I thought of something because I, I don't have, I don't have children of my own yet. Um, I'm a proud auntie of many nieces and nephews, some biological, some not. Um, but you know, I challenge some of our listeners out there, um, whether or not you have made it this far into this episode, you know, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. Um, I would be willing to bet that there are some of you who don't have children, but who are proud aunties or proud uncles, right? Um, And this conversation is for you too. It's not just for parents. It's not just for people that raise children on a day-to-day basis. It's for the adults in children's lives, right? So, you know, as we're talking about this, I, I have, you know, I have the things that I, I, I say to my, you know, my best friend, this is how I will ideally parent. I recognize that some things might change when I actually have children because that's what life does. Um, but the other part of having this conversation in my auntie mind is that I'm thinking, how am I showing respectful relationships and respecting boundaries, not only to the kids in my lives, but to their parents, right? If I'm at my best friend's house and I reach over onto her plate and grab some, you know, <laughs> cheese and crackers or whatever it is, and her daughter is watching me, is that, is that reinforcing what her mom is teaching her, right? Am I, as, as a responsible adult in this child's life, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to reinforce what mom and dad are teaching. Um, and so for example, with each and every one of my nieces and nephews, I ask if I can have a hug. And if they say no, I say, okay, can I have a high five? If they say no, I say, all right, I'll catch you later then. Um, and 
that happens probably 50% of the time where the kids say no. And sometimes they run up to me and they snuggle into, into my arms, just like they were, you know, when they were one or two. Um, but I, I reinforce those things because I care about their well-being and their growing up and their, uh, you know, their relationships and their boundaries. Right. I think it's really important to think of how you are wanting to add to that parenting environment. Like it takes a village. We are all doing it. Children are not learning from just the two people in their house or one person or how many adults you have in that household. They are learning it from every interaction they have and not seeing those as opportunities to help or to at least not hinder the lessons of a parent is, is, um, is, is just ignoring a huge chance that you could add something. For sure. Yeah, I think I told the story when we were talking about, uh, you know, body safety on our, our, our first episode where we did this, but um, I catch myself all the time. I have a very, I have a niece and nephew that are very close to us and um, their parents are big on body safety. And I know the basic rules of that because I am in their house often um, and I do the work that I do. However, I still catch myself, you know, I was babysitting the other day and we were just having fun. We were um, you know, they were flipping my pillows and one, and my nephew came up to me and he said, um, you know, I flipped the pillow the other way. So, 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 you know, uncle Jared will get, get angry or something like that. And I said, well, do you want to know a secret? And as soon as I said the word secret, I thought, oh no, no, no. So right in that moment, I corrected myself. I said, you know what? Secrets not, we don't do secrets here, but do you want to know something funny? Right. So I, I, um, I, I self-corrected. Um, and I think that it's important that they saw that, but it's, it can be difficult to recognize those moments because. <laughs> right. Well, I and mean, all parents have different rules. So yeah. yeah, it is very difficult. Um, you know, even just with, um, I have a sister and a brother and they both have two kids. And so my cousin, my kids with their cousins on either side, it's a very different, my sister has two girls and my brother has two boys. And so those households are not the same at all. <laughs> and, and so, um, it is difficult every time you go into a house, there's different rules and really, I mean, all you can do, you don't have to know them. All you have to do is ask really, because they're putting out their boundaries and you just have to hear it. And it's funny thinking of like the it raised it takes a village thing is I've mentioned it I believe before too on an episode is that all of my friends growing up, like we were all really close and we all lived in approximately like a couple block radius. So we would just like walk to each other's houses whenever. But all of the parents got together and like basically like they talked about like what they do. So all of a all of our parents basically were like, Okay, yeah, you can discipline my kid if they step out of line at your house. So my mom, her favorite, and my other friend's mom too, her favorite was just like bonking us on the back of the head. If like we did something just stupid or like something that we shouldn't have done, just like recognize like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And it was funny the one day when I was over at my friend's, like my friend was over and my mom did it to them. We were all like, what just happened? Because we were all shocked that our moms were like disciplining us. Like each of us now were like, oh no, they, they know. <laughs> They're in on it. <laughs> so just even when you are having like your friend like kids friends coming over and stuff like have discussions with their parents too. Mm -hmm. figure out what they're doing with their kids so that way like you said you're not potentially hindering something that they are teaching their children in their own home right 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. I think that's great. I, um, we're very, I'm from the South, so I'm probably too much in people's, um, <laughs> probably cross a, a few boundaries that I, I need to work on, but, um, but we're definitely, I'm all for if, if my kid's in front of you that you have at it, you're in charge of that one, right? There. I mean, like if they need disciplined, you're on that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think that we've addressed all of the questions that we had on that. Is there anything else uh, before we kind of wrap up that you guys, Lauren? So what I say, what I love to share with people, um, if, um, cause I, I realistically know not everyone listening will read my book and I completely respect that. But if I could give one piece of information to anyone who is not going to read my book, it is that they can have a huge impact by having one conversation with each of their children together or separate or once or a thousand times and, and tell your child that if anything happens to you, I will believe you. And to me, I feel like if we can do that, if every parent could do that, think of the number of times we could prevent things or stop them after the first time, or just feel like a child can come to you after something. The, the suffering alone, I can't even describe what it feels like when you're in a room and everyone's celebrating Christmas and you are the only one suffering. It is painful. And so for me, if every parent, that is what I wish, that every parent could tell their children, you know, these are all the things I wish you would know. These are all the things that I wish never happened to you. But if something does, I will believe you. I think that's amazing and incredibly well said. Um, we, are, we are absolutely advocates for that, to start by believing um, especially children, we know that we know that children have a, a you know, adults have a tendency to not believe children sometimes. Right. Um, but as long as you have that conversation with your child and you yourself commit to actually believing them, if right. God forbid something were to happen, um, the world would be a much a much kinder place, um, right. a much safer place. So, speaking of your book, Lauren, where can our listeners find your book if they were so inclined to buy it and read it? So, my workbooks are available on um, Amazon. So, I um, teachers who have reached out from um, to try to look at getting it in their school systems. They're called Consent for Kids. There's a workbook series, so they're available on Amazon. My children's book, My Body Is My Own, is also available on Amazon, and then. Um, uh, Raising Kids to Understand Consent has just been released last month and um, is on Amazon as well. Fantastic. And listeners, we will have links to those three in our um, show notes. So please check out our show notes if you are interested and follow those links to get them. Um, Lauren, do you have any socials that you'd like to share for them to follow and find you at? I do have a blog. Um, I am... Uh, I'm in and out. I'm sporadic about posting, and sometimes you'll get 20 in a month, and sometimes you won't. But um, I, I'm at www.imperfectlybold.com. Thank you so much for being here today, um, and thank you all for listening. 
please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TouchySubsPod if you don't already to keep up to date when we have new episodes going out. Send us any emails to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.